friends, welcome to log on at 11 Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this current COVID season. Uh, we're going to do what uh, we've been doing for the past few weeks. This has become our normal pattern now. We're just going to follow a little liturgy to hold our worship together, uh, make sure that we do something together so that we're not just watching uh, the screen all the time. Uh, if you've got a print copy, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I'll say on my own. Uh, if you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, Beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference and have been indifferent to those in need, forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves, forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Oh, that was a lucky escape. Oh, look, what's wrong? Why are you so out of breath? And what's all this talk about an escape? Well, Laura, you see, um, it's difficult to explain. Have you upset one of your siblings again? What? Yeah, my brother Mike. H how did you know? Oh, Luke, this won't do. Every time you get into a quarrel or an argument, you come over here to escape the situation instead of facing the problem head on. What did you do this time? Well, you know those chocolates which our aunt gave Mike for doing so well at school? Mm. Well, I kind of got jealous that I didn't get any, so I may have eaten them in one big gulp. That really is naughty, Luke. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah, sorry. I realise now that it was the wrong thing to do, but Mike was so angry when he found out that I just thought it for the best if I skedaddled. Hmm, but that won't solve the situation in the long term. You'll have to speak to Mike and apologise at some point. I know, I know. I just find it easier to run away. Believe it or not, you're not the only one to have run away from their brother for doing something wrong. Really? Yep. As we have been already looking at church, there was a guy in the Bible called Jacob who betrayed his brother and then ran away to his uncle. But on the way, he had quite the interesting experience. This sounds intriguing. Tell me more. Would be a good distraction from what I've done. 
What? Nothing. Do go on. So, Jacob was running away from his brother Esau because Jacob had tricked their father Isaac into giving him the blessing which was meant for Esau. Esau was very angry. Fearing what Esau would do to him, Jacob's mum Rebecca told Jacob to head to his uncle Laban to camp out there for a while. So Jacob set out. It was a long way and very tiring. Ah, I'm so exhausted. How much longer is there to go? Ugh. Since it's getting dark, I think I'll stop here for the night. Oh, and look at that. Just what I need. A comfy rock to rest my head on. So Jacob fell asleep with his head on the rock and started to dream of a stairway reaching from earth all the way to heaven. And on this stairway, angels were moving up and down. Suddenly, a cloud appeared at the top of the stairway and the voice said to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob woke up, he was astounded, realizing that it was at this very place that he had encountered God the Father, using the stone he had used as a pillow. Jacob made a pillar, kind of like an altar, and made a vow, saying, Lord, in return for giving me a safe journey, giving me enough food to eat and clothes to wear, and making sure that I will eventually arrive back at my father's house unharmed, I, Jacob, will set up this pillar as your house and give a tenth back of everything that you will give to me. Jacob called the place where he made the vow Bethel. Wow, that was quite a night which changed his life then. Does that mean the moral of this story is that I only need to give a tenth of the chocolates back to my brother? No, Cheeky. It means that just as God promised he would watch over Jacob, so God will be with you when you go back to Mike to apologise for what you've done. Okay, okay. I suppose you're right. Simply running away will only make things worse. I'll go back to Mike, knowing that God still loves me and promises to be with me in everything, and say sorry. That's it. I'm glad I told Jacob's story to you. Yes, thanks for telling me. I almost felt like I was in the story. I'll be off then. Bye, Laura. Bye, everyone. Bye. Today's reading is taken from Genesis 28, verses 10 to 22, Jacob's dream at Bethel.
Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Harim. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Uh, J- Jacob, Jacob and Esau, um, the continuing saga. Uh, we've seen how uh, Jacob has received his father's blessing, uh, cheated his brother uh, with the help of his mother. They've colluded to make sure that that has happened. Uh, we've seen the deep sorrow and anger of father and Esau, the elder brother, and we became aware of the murderous threats that Esau is breathing against Jacob. The only way uh, for Jacob to survive is to run away. Uh, And again, uh, Rebecca, his mother, intervenes and suggests that he goes across to Padden Haran to visit her brother Laban and stay with him for a time until Esau has cooled off and is no longer ready to separate his head from his shoulders. And this is where we begin the episode today. Now remember, uh, the blessing and the transmission of the blessing This is a key motif in this story, and we said, and we've noted in the last couple of weeks, the normal transmission would be from father to the eldest son. But in this case, the blessing has gone to the youngest son. Everything is upside down. It's all turned around the wrong way. So the youngest son has received the blessing. But his life is not straightforward, is it? His life is not going swimmingly. Uh, It is not uh, a life... uh, that is a life of ease. This is not the life of a man who is at ease with himself and with others. Far from it. So this, I think, gives the lie, friends, to the notion that we sometimes have, in fact, most of the time have, 
you know, that when things are going well, things are going swimmingly, then, well, obviously, God must be blessing us. And when things are not going well and life is a bit of a mess, well, somehow God is absent. That certainly doesn't stack up when you look at what is going on in the life of this character. He has received his father's blessing, which is God's blessing. And we're actually going to see that confirmed as this sermon unfolds. But this child of the promise is a fugitive. He's running away. He's in fear of his life. And yet God is at the heart of all that is going on here. What's happening in your life? Is everything going swimmingly? Is it all going well? Well, of course God is blessing. Is it a bit of a mess? Is it untidy? Well, I would venture to suggest that God may still be at the heart of all that is going on. We'll see, won't we? So, Jacob, we've got a preoccupied Jacob, and then as the thing unfolds, we have a receptive Jacob, and then at the end, we're going to find a reorientated Jacob. But we begin with this preoccupied Jacob, and his preoccupation is quite simple survival. Uh, he's a fugitive from his own family, uh, as we've said, and he's running away. Uh, his mother, Rebecca, has engineered this so that he can leave uh, carefully and not be uh, not be seen to be uh, exiled, as it were. There's the chance to come back at some point, but not yet. Um, so he's going across to see Uncle Laban. And midway through the journey, as night falls, he finds a, a an ideal spot or a spot, we should say, uh, finds a stone and he goes to sleep. And while he's asleep, God speaks to him. Notice while he's asleep, he's defenceless. Uh, he's uh, not able to put up any sort of defence. He's, he's not able to put up any front. Uh, he's just there and he's receptive to whatever may come along. And God comes along. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, he's not active in this encounter. There'll be another encounter with God later in the story in which he is very active. But right now, for this one, this first encounter, and it is his first encounter with God, he is entirely passive. Uh, he's asleep, uh, not preoccupied with anything and therefore open to hear from God. And the place, the place is a nowhere place. Uh, it's a between place. It's between home and Uncle Laban. Uh, this is not the destination. This is on the way and it's a nowhere place. Uh, and there is this wonderful vision, uh, the stairway to heaven, Jacob's ladder, uh, as it's called uh, in older versions of the scripture. Uh, and this tells us something. This tells us something significant. Heaven and earth are connected. They are not uh, discrete and separate places. They're not separated at all. There is a link between the two uh, and messengers move back and forth 
uh, on the staircase. So, you know, the, this the, the opportunity and the chance for us to hear from the heavenly place and for us to be heard in the heavenly place. And in fact, anyone reading the book of Genesis would know that. Uh, anyone reading the Bible generally would know that. But if all you had was the book of Genesis, you would know that anyway, because uh, you see in the very first chapters of the book, uh, when God creates the world and everything in it, he comes in the cool of the evening to walk in the garden and to enjoy the company of the human beings. We only hear about it, you know, when the relationship is broken down. God walks in the cool of the evening and says, where are you? Because normally he would be able to find the humans and walk with them. And they say, well, um, we are naked. We're afraid because we're naked. So we're hiding from you. Well, who told you you were naked? Um, so even, you know, at the point of breakdown, um, we know there was relationship and we know that it was in, in good order, but it's gone now. Uh, and the rest of the book and the rest of the Bible is all about God's plan for restoring that relationship. So God speaks to Adam and Eve in, you know, in that, that first idyllic setting. He speaks to Cain when he's murdered his brother. He speaks to Noah uh, to get him ready to be the rescue plan for his family and for all of the animals. And he speaks to Abraham and Sarah, uh, and they're the first ones. Uh, to have this promise of land and descendants. And this vision of the stairway with you know, the heavenly traffic back and forth, in this case, messengers, angels, um, this is a foreshadowing for us, isn't it, uh, of God coming to the earth in person again, in the person of his son, Jesus. Um, Earth is not left to its own devices. Heaven is not a remote and distant abode of the gods. It's not an unreachable place. It's not an untouchable place. Heaven and earth are related to one another. Uh, heaven is not that self-contained, discreet abode of the gods, which can't be touched by uh, humanity uh, or earthly things. Earth may rely on the resources of heaven. This really is, is what this vision says. It's the substance of the vision and it shatters Jacob's worldview. He presumes that he's traveling alone and survival is his aim. The divine doesn't figure in his thinking at all. The God question is utterly irrelevant to Jacob. He's not looking for God. He's not searching for God. He has no interest in God whatsoever. He's just interested in surviving. Does that sound familiar? Are there people that you're praying for? Family, friends, colleagues at work, people you know and you love, people that you long to see come into that saving knowledge of Jesus as saviour. And the whole God question is just irrelevant to them. They're not bothered. They're not interested. Their whole concern is just around getting through the day. Survival.
it's where many of us see our friends and neighbours, isn't it? I would encourage you, friends, to be encouraged by what we're reading. Because into this reality, where there is no interest in God, where the God question is irrelevant, into this context, God makes himself known. Where there is no interest and no room for God, God enters in and makes himself known. He intrudes. He intervenes. He speaks. And he speaks not to draw Jacob's attention to the mess that he's in, but to offer a new reality, an alternative reality. This text poses the questions, is there a God who intervenes in the life of human affairs? Is there a God who transforms human reality and human possibility? And the vision and the speech in this little piece of text that we're considering scream loudly, yes. Now, Jacob preoccupied, Jacob receptive. Uh, the speech that God gives in the dream is full of promise. And it's a promise we, which is familiar to us now because we've seen it given in the previous two generations. We've seen it given to his grandfather, Abraham. In fact, that was the first time we heard this promise, uh, descendants and land. And then it's given again to Isaac, uh, to Jacob's father, Isaac. Uh, and now it's given to him. Uh, descendants more numerous uh, than the stars in the sky, uh, than the grains of sand uh, in the desert. Uh, a land, the land that you're, you're laying on, now I will give this to you. You will come back to this land and it will be yours. Uh, so these are, you know, these are elements of the promise that, that are familiar to us and we've heard them and seen them before. And we've seen the way in which God has worked out that promise in seemingly impossible circumstances for Abraham and Sarah, um, because they were too old to have children. And yet they do. Uh, and for Isaac as well. It's all been worked through and we know that God is engaged and active in these promises with these promises and we know that he will bring his purpose about we've seen it before and we anticipate that it will happen again but there's a, a new promise as well verse 15 uh, there is a, a new promise which is specifically to jacob and it's got three parts to it firstly i am with you presence God says to Jacob, I am with you. And again, those of us that are Christians, you know, it's we can make that jump uh, to Jesus very easily and straightforwardly at this point. We've just come through a Christmas, uh, Advent and Christmas, and one of the names that is given to Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So it's easy for us to see the link there uh, and for us to be encouraged by what we're seeing here. So that's the first part of this new promise, uh, which is specific for Jacob. I am with you. I will keep you. I'll keep you safe. So protection. And again, that is an encouragement 
Jacob is in the midst of difficulty, significant difficulty. He is in fear of his life. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. And God says to him, I will keep you. This is a word for us, friends, in this current season of our lives, in this season of the life of our country. There's a great deal of fear around. Death is everywhere. We know that. And even without this pandemic, that would be true because it is the ultimate fact of life. One day, all of us die. God will keep us. There's a lot that is good in this life, and I'm glad that I'm here to enjoy it. But our hope, friends, sisters and brothers in Christ, our hope is that there is something better to come. God will keep us. God is keeping us now and will keep us into the future, way beyond this life. That's a promise for us, I think, now. Such an old story, an ancient story, but with a promise for us today. I will keep you. And third promise, I will bring you back. Homecoming, I'll bring you back to this land uh, and it will be yours. I'll bring you back to your father's household. Homecoming. And again, that I think is a promise for us. To be at home is to be with the Lord. And ultimately, that is our destination. It's our ultimate destination to be with the Lord. And previous generations uh, have spoken of dying and uh, coming to the end of this life as going home. I've heard believers of previous generations say that. Uh, and it is a very moving and touching thing when you're in the presence of someone who knows that they're going home soon. There is something quite wonderful about that and very beautiful, as well as being very sad for those of us that are left behind. But homecoming, that's the third part of the promise. So Jacob is reorientated. Uh, as a result of this encounter with God, the Jacob that receives the promise is asleep. The Jacob who responds is wide awake. He is prepared to believe what God has said to him. He is prepared to repent and to believe uh, that God uh, is for him. Uh, he's ready to abandon his old presuppositions and his old preoccupation and ready to embrace this new reality that has presented itself. This place, this nowhere place, actually, now is the place of encounter with God. It is a special and significant place. Where do you think you are? Do you think you're in a special place? Or do you think it's a nowhere sort of place? Even where you are now, this could be the place of encounter with God. It could be a very special place. Uh, and so uh, Jacob will mark uh, this special place now uh, with the stone that he was using as a, as a pillow. He will set it up as a pillar. 
Nice, isn't it? Nice little wordplay there, pillow, pillar. He'll set that up as a memorial stone. He'll give the place a new name, Bethel, house of God. Uh, and he'll pay a tithe uh, to keep it special. Uh, and he recalls the promise. Verses 20 to 22. He's awake now. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So he recalls the promise and he makes that vow. You'll notice he prefaces the vow, though, if he's still Jacob. <laughs> he's still Jacob and still wants to cover his back. But he's a reorientated Jacob. The Lord will be my God. The God question, which was irrelevant at the beginning of the journey, uh, is now at the centre of everything that follows. God makes a promise to Jacob. I will be with you. And Jacob responds with his vow, you will be my God. A new understanding takes root in Jacob's life. Jacob trusts the promise-making God. His vow takes concrete form, um, worshipping form. The stone anointed with oil set up as the pillar, the marking of this place, the new name, the tithe, which is not just a religious observance, but it's an acknowledgement that this place actually belongs to its real owner. Jacob and God are inextricably bound together from this point forward. Life will never be the same. Amen. Let us pray. We pray for all those who are seeking <clears throat> to further democracy around the world. Uh, in Russia, we pray for Mr. Navalny, uh, prominent critic of President Putin and the system there. In uh, China, Hong Kong, the relationship between the two, uh, with many uh, protesters in Hong Kong having been arrested. It's difficult to know what to ask for, Lord. We pray for your reign and your rule all around the world and that peace will come. Uh, in India, we are aware that the farm protests continue and that they have turned violent in recent days. We pray for all those uh, who lead in the farming community and ask that they would get a grip of their supporters. Uh, and we continue to pray for the police. And thank you for the relative restraint uh, with which they have responded. We pray for our own country. Uh, please, Lord, that the COVID vaccine rollout continues. And we pray that uh, the targets that have been set will be met. We continue to pray for our hospital staff, for nurses, doctors 
uh, for all those deliver delivering on the front line and for those supporting them. Uh, we pray for hospital chaplains uh, and particularly for the chaplain uh, in Milton Keynes. Uh, we pray for our schools. Uh, once again, they're becoming a focus for uh, disquiet for some. We pray for our teachers. We know many of them. Uh, we realise that these are difficult days and we pray that you would help us to be all that we can be to help to support our friends as they seek to do uh, a difficult job uh, in difficult circumstances. We pray for our friends, Chris, Ken, Adrienne and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Jesse, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Naomi, Nigel, Lynn, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Ron, Gail, Andy. We pray, Father, that you will be all that our friends need in these days. We gather up all of our prayers in the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honour all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, Rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.